Hey everyone, welcome back. <laughs> We're doing it again. This is episode three of this very podcast that you are listening to right now. Bravo Tea with Jared B. And I am your boy, Jared B. I, I'm very excited to be back. I'm getting into the swing of things. I'm getting into the groove of things. I'm feeling more comfortable. You know, this has been a fun experience. I've really loved the feedback I've been getting from my fans. <laughs> my fans. My friends. My family. And uh, my coworkers. Uh, so if you're listening, I greatly appreciate your support. And uh, yeah, continue to spread the word about the podcast. Um... You know, before we get started on recapping Jersey and recapping uh, Vanderpump Rules, I wanted to share some news. This is some Bravo news. So it it was reported on um, Wednesday um, from Gertie from the Royal Housewives of Miami. There was a post, and I'm reading this from Gertie's post, and it says, in March... I found out some news about my health. I was in St. Bart's having the time of my life when my doctor called me with the results following a regular mammogram checkup. I have breast cancer. It took me a while to process it all, and this is why I took a break from social media last month, as many noticed. Many of you reached out to check on me, and I'm thankful for your caring gestures. For now, I am preparing for my upcoming surgery, and then will come my treatment plan. This process is definitely intense, and what I ask of you is empowerment, not pity. I will girdify this cancer as I girdify everything else in my life. I'm lucky that this breast cancer was discovered at an early stage. It is still scary, of course, but I have love and support from those around me, and that alone is the fuel that I need. For those who do not get regular health checks, I urge you to. Your life depends on it. Love, Gertie. I was shocked. I was shocked to see this because, you know, Martina, Julia's wife, um, Julia is also a Real Housewife of Miami. Uh, Martina just recovered from cancer. Um, I believe breast cancer and throat cancer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And that was sad to hear. Um, I'm really sad to hear about Gertie. You know, cancer is just one of those things. Um... You know, and I I can't imagine what Gertie is going through, um, waiting to get the results of the test, hearing your doctor tell you that they found something, that it could be cancer, that it is cancer. Um, It's scary and it's emotional. And so many thoughts run through your head and you may be asking yourself, you know, Do you know someone, Jared, that has dealt with this? And I'm going to say I am the someone who has dealt with this. I am a cancer survivor. I had Ewing sarcoma. I was diagnosed when I was 18 years old, three months into college when I was in New York City. And it was a scary experience. You know, when you're 18, 
you know, you feel like nothing can touch you, you know, you're invincible. And to hear that kind of news when you're having the time of your life in college, you know, it, it was devastating. And I had to move back home to Atlanta and do nine, 10 months of treatment at the Children's Health Care of Atlanta. And it, it was one of the most isolating and lonely experiences of my life, despite the fact that I had friends, that I had family, uh, that I had loved ones that were supporting me and caring for me and praying for me and coming to visit me. I even had former teachers come to visit me when I was in the hospital doing chemo. And, you know, one thing I, I learned is that, you know, the cancer diagnosis, even the process of going through tests to find out if it's cancer is not only stressful for the person going through it, but it's also uh, stressful for uh, the family and friends. And my hope is, because I know currently uh, Real Housewives of Miami is in production at this time and they are in the middle of filming season six, my hope is that the cast... Uh, is surrounding Gertie at this time and, 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 you know, giving her and showing her love and support. And I did see on social media tonight, because I am recording this Wednesday night, um, I did see that Adriana threw uh, a screw cancer or F cancer party. So I assume this is in support of Gertie. So to Gertie out there, you know, if you're listening... You know, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you and your family, and I wish you a speedy recovery, and I can't wait to see your journey play out on season six of The Real Housewives of Miami. So, we're going to take a little bit of a right turn. I know that was a little sad to hear. Um, So, I'm trying something new, and instead of watching each show... And waiting until I've seen everything and waiting to record after I've watched everything, I'm deciding that I'm probably going to record something after I watch each show instead of trying to remember what I watched. Because it's kind of hard to like remember the feelings and the thoughts that you had after you watch something, especially if it's a day or two later. So as I'm recording this, just know that I just finished watching uh, Tuesday's episode of The Royal Housewives of New Jersey. So let's get into it. And before we get into it, I'm going to drink some water because my mouth is drying out. So this is The Royal Housewives of New Jersey, season 13, episode 14 titled Rat in the Street. And we start off with the first scene at Margaret Joseph's house. And Margaret has invited her mother, Marge Singer, Jen Fessler, who's an official friend of the cast, and Jen's mother and her mother's twin sister, Carolyn and Marilyn, who are 80, 80 years old. Like I said, they're twins, and they dress the same, and they have been dressing the same for the past 80 years. It's cute. It's cute. Um, before we get into the twin thing of it all, um, I, I hate to be this way. 
Does anyone else think that the interior of Margaret Joseph's house is an eyesore? Like, there's a lot of conflicting patterns going on, and I'm someone that, like, loves a good mix of colors, textures, patterns, prints, but it has to be well thought out. It has to be well placed, and I think Marge's house has a lot going on. Like, I, I, I've never done acid, but I assume if you, like, you know, took a dab of acid, I don't know the term, but, like, I can't imagine if you did that and you were in Margaret Joseph's house, you would enjoy that acid trip, if you know what I mean. Like, it, all the wallpaper in each room, if she just made it an accent wall instead of covering the whole room in that wallpaper, it would probably look better because the wallpaper conflicts with the, de the decor, the furniture, and it conflicts with the floor, the tiling, or, you know, whatever type of material she used for a floor. It, it's just a little bit too much. Um, but back to the twin thing of it all. Um, one thing I love about the Real Housewives of New Jersey, and if you have been watching the show, um, the show has a great set of side characters. Like, you know, Jen Fester's mom and her aunt, Carolyn and Marilyn, you know, um, Marge Sr., who is Marge, uh, Marge's, Margaret's mother. Um, you have the husbands. You have the children of the housewives. You have Kim D. You have Kim G. You have Cousin Rosie. Like, you know, one thing about this show is that it really takes a village to make uh, what Real Housewives of New Jersey is, and that's kind of what makes it special. Um, after that, um, I, I have to say, I, I'm really enjoying Jen Fessler. Like, I feel like she's not trying so hard. She's, you know, she's giving you a balanced friend of cast member, you know, where, you know, she intervenes when she, she feels like she needs to. She's not taking sides, even though she was introduced to this friend group through Margaret or also known also known as Marge, you know, Jen Fessler is funny. She's witty. She gives great confessionals. She gives great stories. And she is um, talking about her life, you know, on the trip in Ireland, on the bus with the girls. She talked about, you know, how her, um, her current husband was unfaithful and they separated and they dated people for a while. And you know, Jen Fessler realized that, like, her husband was the one, and now they're back together, and now we're in a better, now they're in a better place, not we're in a better place. I'm not in a relationship with Jen Fessler and her husband. I just want to put that out there, so I'm sorry. Um, there's no allegedly with that. Um, so I, I like that about Jen Fessler. You know, she's merely a friend of, and pretty much the only difference between a, a full-time housewife and a friend of is that a friend of, you don't really get to see their home life. So even though we don't, we're not seeing Jen Fessler's home life, Jen Fessler is bringing her home life to us and telling us who she is and what she's dealt with. And that is what m will make Jen Fessler more relatable to the viewers. Do I think if, do I think Jen Fessler should be a full-time housewife next year? I don't know. It's too soon to tell. It's her first season. Jen Fessler might just be a great friend of. And, like, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being a friend of. I know, like, you know, 
the goal is to be a full-time housewife. But, like, you know, isn't it nice to just show up as a friend? You don't have to commit to long hours of filming. You know, you get to still be in the mix, but you don't have to commit as much as everyone else. Um, So after Jen Fessler, you know, talks about, you know, her mom and the divorce between her mom and her dad, uh, the group of ladies start talking about the recent cash trip to Ireland and Marge's issues with Danielle. And they mention the fact that Danielle has issues with her brother. And, you know, I hope through all of this, Danielle has learned the lesson that she needs to be careful what she shares with this group of women because they will download it, they will store it, and they will use it against you when it's most convenient. And that is what we see on the show this season. They're using that nugget of information against Danielle, questioning, you know, is Danielle's side of the story true? There has to be more. There has to be a reason why Danielle's brother would randomly stop talking to her. And is it really over a disagreement about an Instagram post? It, it seems petty and juvenile for siblings to decide to never speak to each other again. Do you know what I mean about that? Sorry, drinking some more water. Uh, so now we have the next scene. And this is dinner with Dolores, Frankie Sr., who is Dolores' ex-husband. Uh, their kids, the kids of Dolores and Frankie Sr. Uh, uh, Polly is there, who's Dolores' new boyfriend. And Frank Sr.'s girlfriend, Brittany, is there. Um, I have to say, I love the dynamics with this family. I love that Dolores and Frank Sr. can be divorced and still be friends because that's rare. Um, and we've seen this season that it's very hard for Frank, Frank Sr. at this moment because Dolores is in a relationship with Polly. And even though Frank Sr. has a girlfriend who is Brittany, I think Frank Sr. misses Dolores. And part of me feels like he, he's on the outs kind of with Dolores. And, you know, I think Frank Sr. might be concerned where is his placement in Dolores' life now that Polly is part of the picture. Because if you remember in seasons past, Dolores was with David. And David is a, um, a doctor for high-risk pregnancies. And... David has made it clear and Dolores made it clear that David is married to his job. You know, that's his first priority and which meant that Dolores was not a priority and you rarely saw David around. And Dolores said, you know, for a long time, that's good enough for her. But, you know, I'm glad that Dolores took the time to see that she's worthy of more and that she can have more. And now she has that more with Polly. And I like Polly. He seems laid back. He seems chill. And he doesn't seem thirsty in the way that Louis seems a little thirsty. Louis is uh, now Teresa's husband. Um, but one of the funniest moments in this dinner is Brittany, Frank Singer's girlfriend, asking Polly if he spoke English when he moved to America from Ireland. Now, according to Brittany, they speak Irish in Ireland and not English. And something similar happened on the cash trip in Ireland. 
uh, I think the girls were shopping in Dublin and uh, Teresa was speaking with the store clerk and the store clerk told Teresa the the total price of what Teresa bought and gave, you know, said it in euros. And Teresa says back, what does that mean in English? Something like that. And it was like, you know, it's crazy that you can tell some people don't like leave the country or go to other countries by the mere fact that Brittany asked Louis, I mean, not Louis, Polly, if he spoke English when he moved to America from Ireland. Uh, so that, that was a funny moment. Um, I, you know, Brittany's a bit of a wallflower. And I think that if Frank Catania, Frank Sr. wants to remain on the show, Britney kind of has to step it up. It's possible Britney could end up being, you know, a friend of. But, you know, I mean, Britney seems a little, you know, she's more laid back. And, you know, maybe Britney has no interest in being on the show in that capacity. She's fine with making appearances in support of her boyfriend, Frank Sr., um, but maybe, you know, Brittany doesn't want to be in the mix and she likes a, a, a drama-free life. Um, and I'll also say that Frank Sr. was asking Polly a lot of questions. Like, you know, do you know what kind of ring Dolores wants? If he's bought a ring. And, I, you know, again, you see that Frank wants things to be as they were, but he has to understand that this is Dolores' new life and that, He's going to have to get used to the new dynamics, period. You know, Frank is going to have to get over it. And I'm curious to see how that conversation will be on the reunion coming up. Um, So the next scene, we are at the home of Teresa and Louie. And uh, they start off sitting outside in their beautiful backyard. And I have to say that I like this house better than Teresa and Joe's old house. The old house was a little too gaudy, you know, a a little too Liberace, you know, you know, I like the new house. Um, So they're sitting around the table outside working on the seating arrangement for the wedding. And I notice, you know, Teresa called Louie's mom, mom when uh, Louis called his mother to see if he and his mother would be doing like a first dance. And I love that Teresa has that kind of relationship with Louis's mom because, you know, Teresa lost her mom a couple of years ago, not too soon after Teresa got out of prison. And then maybe two, three years after Teresa's mom passed, her, her dad, who we know as Nono, passed away. Um, so I'm happy that Teresa can build a bond with another mother figure in her life and feels comfortable enough calling Louie's mother mom. That, that's really great to see. Um, so then Teresa and Louie go inside and they start talking about Melissa and Joe. Of course, what else are they going to do? Um, Louie reads Melissa's text messages from Melissa to Teresa. And all it seems like to me is Melissa wasn't prioritizing being part of the pre-wedding event. Now, if you remember, in Ireland, uh, Melissa Gorger calls her husband, Joe Gorger, who's the brother of Teresa, and tells Joe what happened and that maybe they shouldn't 
be part of this wedding. There's so many conflicting stories about who's invited, who's not invited, who's going to be in the wedding, who 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 isn't going to be in the wedding. Um, it, it's just like, you know, at this point, the text messages don't really matter to me because I, I can't keep up with the back and forth. The story is always changing, always evolving, ever evolving. And... I'm tapped out with the family drama. I know I said that in the intro episode, and I'm going to say this now. Like, I- I'm done. I'm done with the family drama. I don't care. Um, one thing that I noticed, why is Louis so red? Why is he so red? And I noticed in last week's episode when Frank met up with Dolores and came in with, like, the the motorcycle vest on, Frank is also very red. Um, and I'm wondering if Louis just like bakes in the sun because I'm sure that's not good for the skin. Like, you know, when you go to a grocery store and you go to the like the section where the bacon is and the sausage and the lunch meat and you see like on the bottom shelf, there's all the different types of sausages and you see those sausage that have the red skin. To me, that's how Louis looks. He looks like those red skinned sausages um that i don't know what they taste like they probably could be good um but it looks a little scary and uh, unappetizing and louis you know looks a couple of shades lighter than a fire hydrant um and so like louis i feel like at this point, we're really starting to see who the real Louis is. I believe this facade that Louis had up, the, this this person that Louis was trying to portray to us, to me, seems like that's not who Louis is um, in his core. You know, at this point in the game, Louis isn't playing the peacemaker anymore, and we're starting to see that um, Louis has... His claws into this situation, and he is dictating what and what will be of Teresa's relationship with her brother and with her sister-in-law, and because now he's saying that he doesn't want Joe and Melissa in their life. You know, my question because I'm not married. I'm single. If you have a spouse that is in conflict with their sibling, do you take a back seat to your spouse's conflict with their family and just play the supportive role instead of intervening? Or or, or do you jump in and say, you know, this is my partner, this is my spouse, and this is how it's going to be? Like, I'm interesting, I'm interested to know, like, from married people out there, do do you take a back seat or do you jump in and insert yourself into the conflict? Um, so after this scene at uh, the home of Teresa and Louie, we move to Danielle's house. Um, I have some feelings about Danielle. I think that Danielle is having a decent first season. No one's first season is perfect as a real housewife. There's a lot to learn to, you know, get to know the lay of the land and get to know how the game works. Um, I think Danielle is still finding her footing. Um, but 
I'm concerned because she's taking all these punches from Marge, from Rachel Fuda, from Jackie, and then and Daniel runs away or Danielle starts crying. And if Danielle is going to make it in this group of women, Danielle is going to need some thick skin. She's going to she she needs to get some thick skin if she's going to be on the show. And she has to be able to say something back if someone is coming for her because otherwise she she's going to look She's going to look dumb and like she can't stand up for herself. And, you know, even though I enjoy Danielle on the show and I think there's potential, I think that, you know, Danielle has not figured out how the game works in the way that Rachel Fuda has. Um, but, you know, I'm liking Danielle. I'm liking Rachel Fuda. And I, you know, they're, they're basically the next generation of housewives. You know, these are women in their thirties, you know, and it's crazy to be watching the show long enough to now there's housewives in the same age decade as you. When, when I first started watching the real housewives, the cast was pretty much women who were old enough to be my mother. And now they're women who were, you know, old enough to be my peers. It, you know, so it's strange. It's, it's weird to see that. Um, but, you know, Danielle and her mother start talking about the fact that her and her brother are not speaking. And that I'm sure it's difficult for Danielle's parents to have children that are not speaking to each other because they can't spend time together. The cousins can't hang out together. They're missing birthdays. They're missing holidays. They could miss graduations. It could get to the point where, you know, weddings are missed. And, you know, I even though I understand that this is part of Danielle's storyline, but the conflict with her brother, you know, her brother isn't on the show. We don't know him. We haven't heard his side of the story. We only know Danielle's side of the story. And Danielle's side of the story might not be the truth. And, and so, like, I think it's a little unfair for <clears throat> Danielle to be discussing this conflict with her brother when her brother is not on the show to defend himself and give his perspective. And I'm sure... It's not great for her brother and her sister-in-law to be watching their, you know, their dirty laundry aired out on national television. Like, I'm sure that's not making the situation better between Danielle and her brother. Uh, I don't know if Danielle has realized that yet, um, but we shall see. I'm sure Andy will bring it up at the reunion. Um, the next scene is with Jennifer Aiden and she's with her family and I like Jen Aiden this season. I really do. Like sometimes I don't know cause she can be a, a little crazy. She's a wild card, but she's funny, but you don't know what she's going to say. But like, that's one of the best things about like Jen Aiden and Teresa are kind of the same in a way where like they are wild cards and you don't know what, they're going to say, especially if, like, they get activated, especially if they're antagonized by someone like Margaret. Um, but, you know, I love that Jen Aiden's not afraid to go toe-to-toe. She's not afraid to hit the mat and go for it. And I love that she's being open and honest about her marriage to Bill Aiden, who seems to be checked out at this point. You know, Jen has talked about that 
Bill Aiden comes home from work. He's a plastic surgeon, and he, like, doesn't spend time with the kids. You know, Jen is, you know, even though she's a full-time housewife and she technically has a job, Jen is a stay-at-home mother, and it seems like Bill signed up for a traditional marriage where, or in his eyes, what is a traditional marriage to him, where the wife stays home, takes care of the kids, helps the kids with homework, and the man does not contribute. And I don't think Jen Aiden and her husband don't realize when it comes from this perspective of a viewer, it seems like they are on different pages about what the expectations they have from each other in their marriage. And it doesn't seem like they are getting to that, getting to the root of the issue. I see it. (laughs) You know, I've seen it the past couple of weeks. They haven't discussed it yet. They haven't touched on that yet. And I remember a couple of episodes, maybe one or two episodes ago, um, they're discussing couples therapy. And Bill Aiden says that he doesn't feel the need to participate in couples therapy anymore and that Jen should keep going to therapy by herself because Jen is the one that probably needs the help the most. So my question is, like, what's going on with Bill Aiden? Why has he checked out? Because it's not fun to watch. He comes off as an a-hole that's not willing to do the work that's necessary to, you know, create a stronger relationship with his wife. Um, But in the scene, I also, I, I love how Jen is helping her her brother and sister-in-law get settled in America as they have come here from Turkey. You know, I think that Jen is a well-rounded housewife. She's honest. She's open about her life. She gives good story. She can bring the heat. She can bring the drama. And she can also be funny. And I think that those are great characteristics of a great housewife. And I see why Jen is still a housewife. And I think Jen's going to be a housewife for a while. So if you don't like her... You better get over it, because I think Jen Aiden's going to be around for a moment. Um, so we're moving on to the next scene, and this is uh, the Fuda household. This is Rachel Fuda's house. And Rachel Fuda and her husband are talking about the legal process of Rachel adopting her husband's son, Jaden, and uh, that this process will include locating the birth mother and, I guess, serving her with papers, uh, that basically Rachel Fuda wants to adopt, you know, her son. Um, and if, although I, it's wonderful to see Rachel Fuda try to adopt Jaden, um, even though Jaden does not have a relationship with his mother and it was, it was made crystal clear in this conversation, in this scene, um, it's tough to watch Rachel badmouth Jaden's birth mother, especially since the birth mother is not on the show and hasn't told her side of the story. Um, and I'm just wondering if anyone notices. Do you notice that Rachel Fuda's husband does not say much when it comes to discussing Jaden's birth mother? The same thing happened, I think, in last week's episode when Rachel Fuda and her husband went to go meet with the family lawyer. Rachel did all the talking. Her husband just sat back and nodded and, you know, stayed quiet. And so, you know, the fact that he does not say much about her, I'm wondering why. 
Why does he let Rachel do all the talking? Has anyone else noticed that? Um, so we're we're getting to this next scene, and it's basically like a, a montage, a collection of different scenes, I guess, of the ladies getting ready for this prohibition party, I guess this Irish party. And my question, a serious question, is can we ban this 1920s prohibition theme from the Real Housewife because it is played out and it is done on almost every season of a Real Housewife show. Ironically, it's happening on the next episode of Real Housewives of Jersey and there was a 1920s prohibition Harlem Nights party on the season premiere of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, come on. Of all the themes, can we like do something other than a 1920s prohibition party. Like, I, I don't want to see another person in a flapper dress. Please, let's choose another theme. Um, but we see in this montage of clips um, that there's a discussion of Margaret's friend, Laura, who Margaret is on the outs with. And Margaret's friend, Laura, has all this dirt, allegedly, on Marge. And I, I think this whole aspect is a, real, a little ridiculous because, you know, I say this often, but, you know, Laura isn't on the show. We don't know who Laura is. We've never been introduced to Laura. You know, if you think about it in this way, on the show, Laura doesn't exist in this world, according to us, the viewers. So we hear this woman named Laura mentioned several times throughout this season. We have not met Laura. And so, like, how are we, the viewers, supposed to have an opinion on what Laura may or may not have when it comes to dirt on Marge? And also, it seems like Laura is alleging that Marge told Laura that Melissa Gorga was maybe making out with another man and not her husband. But, you know, to me, Laura seems thirsty, like she wants to be on the show. And Marge has said on another podcast I listened to that Laura, for many seasons, has tried to get on the show to be a real housewife. And But the thing is, it's like, Laura doesn't know that she's coming off thirsty, but Jen Aiden and Teresa are using this info from Laura to dig up dirt on Marge and Melissa. And like, th these are like kind of the shady games I don't like about housewives because especially if someone is not on the show, especially if information is coming from an outside source. And one thing I learned while reading that book, Not All Diamonds and Rosé, is that a lot of the rumors that come up on the show is outside information housewives get from blogs or I guess people who say they know another housewife and the housewife obtains this information keeps it in their back pocket just in case they need to use it to come for another cast member which is dirty I mean but it's also the name of the game that's part of being a housewife is you know unfortunately digging dirt up on your cast member and using it against them to try to like humiliate them or ruin their life. Um, so, you know, that's why I think the whole Laura being mentioned, it, it just is it's giving me nothing because Laura's not there. Um, 
But let's get to this conversation between Louis and Teresa. Louis having a moment on this show. And I'm going to say this again. Louis seems a bit thirsty for attention. You know, I like Teresa. I want Teresa to be happy. And I'm conflicted because I am happy that Teresa is happy. I'm happy that Teresa has love in her life. Teresa Judice, Teresa Judice, however she wants to say her last name, she's been through a lot. She lost her father. She lost her, her, her mother. Um, she went to prison for like two years. Um, her husband, her ex-husband went to prison for like two, three years and is now deported and is in Italy and is not allowed in the country due to his crimes. And so I'm happy that Teresa is happy. But I think that Teresa needs to sleep with one eye open because something does not feel right about Louis Rulas. Something does not feel right about it, and I don't know what it is, but we're going to find out because over the course of the season, we have seen the slow unraveling of Louis Rulos, and I, I'm afraid Teresa's going to have to learn the hard way about who this man may or may not be and who this true, who, who his true self is. Um, and, and unfortunately, Teresa's so in love, she can't even see some of the red flags and some of Teresa's behavior. I mean, not Teresa's behavior, Louis's behavior. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with defending your spouse, defending your fiance, defending your boyfriend, defending your girlfriend. But, you know, at this point, you know, in this last scene, we see that Louis is to the point where he is actively seeking out Jorgo, Joe Gorga at an upcoming group event to confront him. And Teresa is literally sitting there letting him dictate what's going to happen with a relationship with her and her brother. And like, if I were Teresa, I'd be like, listen, babe, I love you. I love that you support me, but I'm going to need you to take a back seat to this situation because at the end of the day, you just got here two years ago and I've known my brother my whole life. And my sister-in-law has been a part of my life for 20 years. And even though it has not been, you know, great, even though it's been rocky, you know, if Teresa wants the peace that she says she wants, then she needs to flip Louie over from the passenger side to the back seat, maybe the trunk. And Teresa needs to put her big girl panties on and, like, really handle this situation with her brother and not let her fiancé at this time dictate what Teresa is going to do with her relationship. And you can see on Teresa's face that she looks a bit conflicted and emotional. Like, it, it, it's all over her face. And, you know, it, it's just sad to see. And again, you know, I have so much to say about this situation, but again, I'm, I'm over it as a viewer, the family drama. But I'm here to watch the unraveling of Louis Rulas uh, because I've been saying something's been up with that man from day one. And if it turns out to be true, I will be doing my swan song. I will feel vindicated. Overall, what do I think about this episode of The Real Housewives of New Jersey? This is what you call a filler episode. Not much happened in this episode, but you could see, you know... Certain things, seeds being planted and watered, uh, 
things being set in place that will lead to the conflict that is obviously happening on next week's episode, which is the season finale, thank God, of Housewives of New Jersey. It seems like everything comes to a head. There's conflict between Marge and, I guess, Danielle. There's conflict between Melissa and Teresa. There's conflict between Louie, Red Sausage-looking Louie, and uh, Joe. So there's a lot going on next week. And uh, we're going to have to brace ourselves because... It's probably going to be a three-part reunion. And like I said in the intro episode, Andy himself said that this reunion is like something he's never experienced before, and it's very vicious. So we are in for a ride. It is not over. And also, I thought Teresa had a wedding special. We haven't seen the special. Like, what are does the season finale happen, and then we see the wedding special, and then it's the reunion? Or does the reunion happen after the season finale, and then after re- the reunion, we see the wedding special, because Bravo has not specified what's going on with that. So I would like to know. Um, yeah, that was the most recent episode of The Real Housewives of New Jersey, episode 13, episode f- season 13, episode 14, titled Rat in the Street. And when we return... We're going to be discussing the most recent episode of Vanderpump Rules. So uh, don't go anywhere. Keep listening. I'll be right back. (laughs) I hope you're enjoying the show. So we are back to discuss the newest episode of Vanderpump Rules. This is season 10, episode 14, that is titled, There's Something About Her. Um, <laughs> so yesterday, I I had not watched, I was not up to date with the season of Vanderpump Rules. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Yesterday, I took the day to catch up on seven episodes of Vanderpump Rules to come to episode 14. Um, oh, there's so much going on with this show. It, it, it's nuts. It's it's a little exhausting. Uh, but before I start recapping and discussing the most recent episode of Pump Rules, let's talk about the trailer for the reunion. Um, it's explosive. It, it looks really good. Um... I kind of got the chills when I watched the um, the trailer for the reunion. If you have not seen it yet, go watch it. It's on the Bravo TV Instagram page. It's on Twitter. It's 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 everywhere. Uh, if you have not seen the trailer yet, I don't know where you've been. Probably at work, you know, living your life. Um, but, you know, I do this work for the people. This is my calling, you know. I'm the informer the host of Bravo Tea with Jared B. Here I am to give you the info. I'm just playing. Um, Yeah, go watch the trailer. It's really good. Um, Also, what was announced by Queens of Bravo, 
um, they seem to have all the Bravo insider information. They posted earlier today that Peacock will be exclusively airing extended versions of all three parts of the Vanderpump reunion starting Thursday, May 25th with part one. Following the reunions, Bravo will air a Secrets Revealed episode. It says, I believe this is June 14th. And Peacock will air a supersized version of Secrets Revealed on June 15th. Wow, Bravo's really, really milking this for everything. <laughs> um, and I understand why. You know, this... Vanderpump Rules is experiencing a, a resurgence, a, a new energy, because for a couple of seasons, you know, there was a lull for the show. I know the ratings had gone down, um, and now Vanderpump Rules is having its highest ratings they've had in years. I believe this week's past episode, uh, the live ratings were 1.4 million viewers, which is really good for Vanderpump Rules. You know, if you include DVR, people that watch on demand, people that watch on Peacock, the Live Plus 3, Live Plus 7 ratings for this week's Vanderpump Rules could easily be 2.5 million, which is really good for Vanderpump Rules. You know, I have to say, even though the Scandaval situation is really bad, the Scandaval situation has also saved the show. The Scandaval situation pretty much bought them all a job for at least another two to three seasons. So, you know, even though everyone's mad at Raquel and mad at Tom Sandoval, they also better be thanking their lucky stars when they go to sleep that these two were messy enough to, uh, you know, fool around with each other, you know, behind the scenes of a, a nationally aired television show. Like, it's crazy. But let's get into the recap. So we start the episode off in scene one. They're at uh, Katie and Ariana's sandwich shop. Um, I will say Katie and Ariana, um, like I said, they're in their sandwich shop. They're working with what seems like a party planner to put together an event uh, to introduce the food for the sandwich shop. Um, to me, it seems a little too soon to be having this event. I would have waited until I had at least decor in the restaurant. You know, at this point, the sandwich shop is a blank canvas. And if, you know, I'm going to do a soft launch, I'd rather my restaurant, my sandwich shop be 80% complete rather than like 45% complete. But it's their business. You know, it's not mine. I, I don't have a brick and mortar sandwich shop. So good on them. Um, You know, in this conversation between Katie and Ariana, I feel bad for Ariana because she's defending Tom. She has defended Raquel, um, all for Raquel and Sandoval to hook up for several months behind Ariana's back. And Tom was out in the streets making Ariana look like a fool. And, you know, I'm talking to the TV and I'm like, Ariana, you kind of should be listening to Lala because at this point, Lala is Nancy Drew and she she's uncovering everything. You know, last week's episode was the beginning of Lala, at least the beginning from what we have seen of Lala putting together the pieces and, and, and 
it seems like she knew something was going on. Maybe that knew something was going on, but had a feeling something was going on. And so we get to the next scene and um, Charlie and Raquel are shopping. You know, like I've said, I have not consistently watched Vanderpump Rules, so I'm a little confused with Charlie's position on the show. I know Charlie works at Sir, but is Charlie an official cast member of the show or is she like a friend of? Because it seems like she only shows up to film with Raquel or like large group events like at Hermosa Beach that James Kennedy put together. Um, like who does Charlie have beef with where she gets limited screen time? That's my question. If you're my friend and you're listening and you know about what's happened on Vanderpump Rules the past several seasons, can you, like, contact me and explain Charlie's place on the show? Because I really don't understand it. Also, because after seeing the trailer, I didn't see Charlie in the in the trailer. And maybe, you know, it's also possible Charlie did not contribute much to this season, so maybe there was no reason for Charlie to be at the reunion. Um, but um, we see Rachel... She says in her confessional that she decided to turn over a new leaf and put herself first. Now, you know that term exists. The best way to get over someone is to really get under someone new. Uh, The problem is that Raquel took that saying, applied it to herself, and multiplied it by five. And so the new person you're supposed to get under is not someone else's man, especially not someone who is your friend, who's one of your best friends, who has defended you the entire season. When people started sniffing out how you, Raquel, operates as a person when it comes to other people's men. After that, we see Raquel and Charlie at the register of this store that they're in, and you see Raquel purchase the lightning bolt necklace. Now, the reason why I mention this necklace is because if you don't know, Tom and Raquel have matching lightning bolt necklaces. So my question in this moment is, did Raquel go back to the store to get another lightning bolt necklace? Did Tom go get one? Or did Tom already have his lightning bolt necklace that we see him wear later on in this episode? And did Raquel go out to get a lightning bolt necklace to match his? Or, like, did this necklace become a thing because Sandoval and Raquel both noticed they both had a lightning bolt necklace. And so, you know, maybe to them it signified like, oh, this is a thing. This is a sign that we're connected. Um, I have no clue. You know, I, I do. This probably isn't even important, this night, uh, lightning bolt necklace. But I know when the scandal vault broke, a lot of people were talking about the necklaces. Um, so as we move on to the next scene, this is at Schwartz and Sandy's restaurant and bar. The Toms are talking and Sandoval starts opening up about his relationship with Ariana. Sandoval is making it seem like Ariana is lazy and wasn't contributing to their relationship. And in Sandoval's confessional, he's talking about that there's there's been a disconnect between him and Ariana. And there's been more arguments recently. But to me, it feels like in this moment, Sandoval is telling himself that this relationship 
is over in order to justify with himself what we now know to be Raquel and Sandoval's love affair. Um, in the next scene, um, we're at Sandoval and Ariana's house. Sandoval and Ariana are sitting on the couch having a conversation. They start talking about Tom's lie, about not leaving that Labor Day party to support his girlfriend, whose grandmother just died, who also just put her dog down. And it does seem like Sandoval and Ariana are merely merely just coexisting in this space, in their house, and calling it a relationship. And it seems like Sandoval wants more from this relationship. There's no problem with that. Many people are in relationships, long-term relationships, and it gets to the point where it's like, maybe I'm not getting what I need from this relationship anymore. What do we need to do to rectify the situation? Sandoval mentions him and Ariana only having sex four times a year. You know, my question is, was there ever a conversation like, hey, babe, I feel like there's a disconnect between us. What do we need to do to get back on track? And you see Ariana say in this conversation that she wants to spend quality time with you. And quality time is a form of intimacy. But what I'm seeing based on what Sandoval is saying he isn't getting from the relationship, it seems like Sandoval's love language is acts of service. Um, But the thing is, it doesn't seem like they even know what they need from each other or what to give to each other in the relationship, which is why they're in the place they are at that moment that we are watching. In the confessional, Sandoval explains his idea of quality time. And he says it's taking mushrooms and watching the sunrise, skinny dipping in the pool, hand gliding, Uh, And, you know, it sounds like Sandoval just wants to be young and wild and free. And it reminds me of that song. So what? We get drunk. So what? We smoke weed. We're just having fun. We don't care who sees. Sometimes we go out. That's how it's supposed to be. Living young and wild and free. But Sandoval, you're like 40 years old, you know. You can't be young and wild and free for the rest of your life. And I'm not saying 40 is old. I'm just saying it just does not seem that Sandoval has his priorities in order, especially with the fact that his restaurant with uh, Tom Schwartz is delayed with opening. Um, And then, you know, I, I guess Ariana is saying like, Sandoval doesn't like to do the things that she likes to do. And Sandoval has a nerve to mention the name of Beyonce, Giselle, Knowles, Carter. Sandoval, don't bring Beyonce into your mess. Don't do it. Don't do it. And speaking of Beyonce, I wonder if Ariana listened to Lemonade after finding out about Scandaval. Because if you've listened to Lemonade, you know that this is probably the perfect album, you know, for what Ariana has been through. You know, if you know Lemonade, you know. Um, And then also in this scene, in the conversation with Ariana, I notice Sandoval has on a lightning bolt necklace. It's not the same one that Raquel bought when she was with Charlie, but it's a lightning bolt ne- necklace. 
Watch me put the pieces together. Um, in the next scene, we're in James and Allie's apartment. And I have to say that I really like James Kennedy. He's the comic relief of the show. He's hilarious. He's a wild card. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. You never know what he's going to do. But I will say it seems like it's a lot to be in a relationship with James Kennedy. And I feel like James Kennedy has this like sinister boyish spirit, like the the spirit of a 13-year-old boy with him within him, even though he's a grown-ass man. And it's fun to watch. But I'm sure it's a headache to deal with. And on the flip side, his girlfriend, Allie, seems so mature, seems wise, seems like she has a good head on her shoulder. Allie is well aware of what is going on, and she's clocking things. She's calling people out. She's noticing things. She was honestly the first to notice something off between Tom and Raquel being at a bar, the Abbey, together at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, I don't know about the dynamics of your friendships, but if I'm out with a friend's wife at 2 o'clock in the morning in a bar, best believe uh, my friend is also there with his wife and myself. I would never be in a situation where I would be hanging out at 2 o'clock in the morning with my friend's partner by myself, even if I'm with a group of people, because it just looks shady. Like, there's there's boundaries. You know what I mean? And so, like, my question is, you know, back to James Kennedy, is James Kennedy mature enough for Allie? Because, to me, Allie is running circles around James Kennedy, and James Kennedy does not seem to know... Um, it seems unable to reflect on his life and really um, work on getting himself to where he wants to be mentally and emotionally, even though James Kennedy is experiencing some of the best success of his life. And it's cool to see that, you know, he's opening up for Cascade, you know, this uh, music festival that he went to in Atlanta. I've never heard of, and I've lived in Atlanta for 20 years, so... Maybe I just need to get out more. Um, in the next scene, we're in the something about her sandwich shop. And I know this is like a mini event. I know that they're going to Sir after this situation. But this event is a bit tragic. Like there's one table in the center of the room with sandwiches and drinks on it. And then there's an easel with the name of the restaurant. You know, they should have had a sandwich table. They should have had a drinks table. There should have been more flowers. There should have been artwork on the wall. You know, something to create the illusion of an almost finished space. There's no chairs for people to sit. And I'm happy for them. It's not easy to start a business. It's not easy to start a business in L.A. It's not easy to open a brick and mortar in L.A. because rent is expensive. So, like, you know... I'm proud of them, but I would have just had the whole event at Sir, because the presentation would have been nicer. Um, so now we're at Sir, and here they start to present more sandwich options. And Sandoval says in his confessional that his relationship with Ariana was the best he's been in. So not only is Sandoval lying to himself, he's lying to Ariana, and he's lying to us, the viewers. And then we move on to the conversation between Tom Schwartz and Katie's mom. 
I'm not a parent, but I could understand Katie's mom being protective over her daughter's heart. And I believe Katie's mom is right. How hard is it to fool? How hard is it to not fool around with someone in the friend group? Like, L.A. has millions of people. And all Katie asked of Tom Schwartz is for respect and to not hook up with anyone in the friend group. That was the only requirement for Katie. The only requirement. And Tom Schwartz was not able to just, like, honor that. And so I feel like Tom Schwartz is not really comprehending the hurt that Katie is experiencing. Like, I'm trying to understand Tom Schwartz because, again, I have not been watching consistently, you know, Vanderpump Rules. But I don't know if this is, like, an act Tom Schwartz, you know, is putting on, you know, this bashful guys next door, like, oh, like, you know, I don't mean to do any of the things that I do, but, like, you're a grown-ass man, Tom Schwartz. Like, grow up. Grow up. So after this, you know, it's crazy to see Raquel have this conversation with Ariana because if we didn't know what we know now, Raquel comes off as a trustworthy friend, a friend who cares about their friend. But because we do know what we know now, Raquel just seems like she's digging for information about Sandoval and Ariana's relationship to see if maybe she can slip in and get up under... Tom Sandoval, because it doesn't seem like Ariana is up under Tom Sandoval. Um, And then after that, we jump to this conversation at the table between Lala and LVP. And Lala is talking about the fact that she just wants another child and that she's in search of a sperm donor. So I'm thinking maybe Lala should call Nick Cannon because that's the most famous sperm donor at this point in the world. And she won't even have to go to a sperm bank. Nick Cannon will probably just offer it up. And Lala can now carry the eighth child. Is it eight? How many kids does Nick Cannon have? Is it eight? Is it seven? Is it ten? I don't know. Um, But it seems like Lala is scarred from her relationship with Randall. Lala is afraid to open her heart because she doesn't want to get her heart broken again. But on the flip side, and I know this happened years ago. I know this is a sensitive subject for Lala because Lala doesn't want to be known as the mistress. But let's just take this back. Wasn't Lala the other woman when she started dating Randall? And I'm saying this because there's this saying that how you get them is how you lose them. And the biggest example of that is Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson. Remember how Khloe got Tristan? And let's remember how Khloe lost Tristan. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, And so then we get to Raquel um, walking up to Katie and congratulating Katie. If I were Raquel, I would have walked up to Katie, said congratulations, and I kept it moving. But no, Raquel felt the need to sit down and she felt the need to lean in. And Raquel needed to back away. Because if I was Katie and Raquel came to sit down past the congratulations... I would have gotten up and left the table. 
And then, like, Katie is coming at Raquel, and Raquel is unfazed. She's not even flinching. Not even flinching. Because if someone was coming up, coming at me like that, I would have gotten up and left. Like, this is not the right time nor the situation. And remember, this event is about Ariana and Katie. So, like, if you're really Ariana's friend, why are you now antagonizing Katie and creating chaos at their event for their business. Um, But one thing I have to say about seeing Lisa Vanderpump on Vanderpump Rules versus Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I love that LVP is like the den mother of this group. She's the ringleader of these adults with these messy-ass lives. And I'm sure, like, it, it keeps her young inside, keeps her young in spirit, like, you know, all these crazy kids living their lives, a mess. And Lisa reaps the benefits of it. Because at the end of the day, this is Lisa Vanderpump's show. This show, you know, is about the people that work at her businesses. I know the show has evolved past that at this point, but, you know, Lisa Vanderpump is the ringleader, and let's remember, she is also one of the producers of this show. Um, So you see commotion ensue. Ariana's crying on LVP's shoulder. Katie has walked out. Katie's upset. Katie is getting tears in her eyes. Katie uh, is talking with Tom Schwartz outside, and I'm wondering, why on earth did Raquel go outside and interrupt a conversation between Schwartz and Katie? You see Raquel apologize, and then you see Tom Schwartz trying to explain away and kind of, like, defend their actions and Raquel's actions, um, and it's just not going anywhere. Like, Raquel, there's a time and a place... There's a time and a place, and clearly you do not know the time and you do not know the place. And so after that, <laughs> we're back inside, sir, and LVP's birthday cake comes out. She blows out her birthday cake, and LVP gives this, you know, you know, this speech about seeing these kids that she it seems like she feels like she's raising in a way, and seeing that they're going through the hardest times of their life and she's happy that she can be there for them and be a shoulder to lean on and so like based on the speech and the background music that was playing during LVP's speech one thing I realized is that this episode episode 14 I believe it is this episode was meant to be the season finale because you see the preview for the season finale and at this point the filming we see in the season finale is when cameras went back up after Scandaval broke. Um, so my question is, like, this episode would have been a really weird place to, like, close out the season. Like, this would have just been it. This 14 episodes. And if we didn't get the Scandaval drama, the news that broke after the season finished filming... This season would have sucked. This season would have been nothing. Just random arguments that led to nothing. And so, like, again, the cast of Vanderpump Rules better thank their lucky stars that um, this drama was dropped in a basket from baby Jesus, and now they can reap the benefits of the messiness between Tom Sandoval and Raquel.
you know. I am looking forward to the season finale next week. I'm also looking forward to the three-part reunion. The thing I'm looking forward to the most about the three-part reunion are the uncensored episodes that are going to be airing on Peacock the day after. In my opinion, if Bravo's doing this on Peacock with uncensored versions of the reunion, now I want the uncensored version of all the reunions. I want it for all the Housewives shows. I want it for Southern Charm. I want it for Vanderpump Rules. You know, I want it for Below Deck. Give us the uncensored version. Hey, give us the uncensored version of each episode on Peacock. Because sometimes when you're watching things on Bravo, they're bleeping things out because they're cursing or saying things that are not appropriate for cable television. But I would really love to see what's actually being said if they air the uncensored version on Peacock. Do, Do you get what I'm putting down? Do you get what I'm putting down? Okay? Bravo just ans- opened Pandora's box with these with these upcoming uncentered three-part reunions for uh, Pump Rules. Um, you know, this was a good episode. It's an okay episode. Um, really, the, the juice, you know, of this episode really didn't come until the end, which is really... It was kind of a filler episode because it just leads us to next week. But again, if this Scandal news did not break, this would have just been the season finale, this week's episode. And it's just strange. It's like strange that this is what the season would have been. And like there are rumors that production knew about this. So like I'm wondering if like, Production got to, like, the end of the season, editing, and then, like, Lisa, LVP pulled some strings because let me tell you something about LVP. LVP is someone that pulls strings behind the scenes. Um, One thing about reading that book, Not All Diamonds and Rosé, when I got to the Beverly Hills section of that book, almost all the housewives talked about the fact that they got to the point that they stopped trusting LVP because LVP was basically playing producer behind the sh- behind the scene behind the scenes and like putting you know nuggets in people's ear and you know getting to them to reveal certain things on the show that LVP did not want to reveal herself. So like I can see some some maneuvering, some producing going on possibly on behalf of LVP because at the end of the day this is her job. This is how she earns an income even though I know this is not her only income. But at the end of the day, this drama and this show continuing only benefits Lisa Vanderpump and her pockets. So on that note, I'm going to leave that with you. And uh, until next time, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. From now on, new episodes will be coming out on Wednesdays and Fridays every week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Please tell your friends, your family, co-workers. Hey, if you're walking down the street, tell a random person. Hey, 
I've heard of this new podcast called Bravo Tea with Jared B. And it's groovy, baby. Um, thank you so much for the support. Don't forget to like, subscribe, give us a good rating, and just know you can listen to this podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available, except iHeartRadio. We're still working on getting this podcast on iHeartRadio and Pandora. But everywhere else, you can listen to this podcast. Um, I'm going to let you guys go. It was good speaking to you guys today. Over and out. Good night.